Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I'm your host, Dan Canobio. On this show, we're going to talk to Larry Merchant, the iconic voice of HBO Boxing. We're also going to talk to Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports. Obviously, the big story in boxing right now is the, I'm going to say tragic news of HBO Sports. Uh, they're going to close down shop after 45 great years. Uh, 2019, you will no longer see boxing uh, on HBO. Uh, it was a New York Times article written by Wallace Matthews, a uh, friend of the show, uh, pretty much laying down the, the groundwork that Peter Nelson put out there to say that, you know, after 45 years, it has been shown that the uh, our subscription, uh, our audience, no longer interested in boxing. A tough pill to swallow. And uh, I really am looking forward to talking to Larry Merchant. Of course, he was, uh, for over 30 years, he was the uh, iconic broadcaster alongside Jim Lampley, George Foreman, Roy Jones. All over the years, those post-fight interviews with Larry were magical. Whether he was talking to Floyd Mayweather, whether he was talking to Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson, Oscar De La Hoya, he had those moments that only uh, Larry can, can drum up. So I'm really looking forward to, to that interview, talking to Larry Merchant, as well as Kevin Ioli. He'll, he'll lay down the business side of things, what this means for the boxing landscape. Because there are a lot of people that think that boxing is now dead because HBO is, is out of the sport. Couldn't be any further than the truth. You know, boxing right now is, is flourishing, and that's a, pretty much the reason why HBO Boxing decided to shut its doors was because there's way too many options out there. You know, for about 40 years, I would say about 25 to 30 of those years, the biggest fights in boxing were only on HBO. They were nowhere else. There was no competition. You know, Showtime, you know, would kind of take, you know, the, the end of the careers of some guys like Evander Holyfield, Julio Cesar Chavez. You know, they, they weren't much competition to HBO. You know, there was no streaming services that could, uh, you know, take a chunk out of HBO subscribers. So things changed in boxing. It's constantly changing. What do you see today? We see nothing but streams and, uh, you know, fights on back, going back to cable. You know, and HBO decided that they were no longer wanting to be in the boxing business. It was it was tough. I know a lot of fans. I know a lot of people in, in media getting texts and, and talking to people in the industry about how, you know how sad they are that that you know they grew up watching HBO boxing. I mean, from a personal standpoint, yes, I work for CompuBox, and you know, um, my father created CompuBox, and and HBO was our first client 33 years ago, 1985. It was when uh, we, we pitched CompuBox to, not me, but they pitched CompuBox to Ross Greenberg at HBO, and he, he decided to go with it. So for 33 years, you heard Jim Lampley, you heard the, all the voices there, Barry Tompkins, bring up the, the, the name CompuBox, you know, that Jim Lampley made it famous by saying it nearly every round. Um, but just from a personal standpoint, all the guys at HBO, they were more than just a client for us. They were, they were a family. I mean, we had wiffle ball games in our, in my backyard back on Long Island, uh, team CompuBox versus team HBO. I mean, I would, as a kid, I would go to the fights and I would go into the truck and then I would go ringside and, and talk to Michael Buffer, talk to Jim Lampley, talk to all the great voices uh, at HBO, it's tough. It really is tough. And what it means for the for the landscape, if you want to, you know, go away from a personal standpoint and think about what it means for boxing. Now, guys like Triple G, guys like Canelo are going to be free agents. Where will Triple G go? Where will Canelo go? That's a question I'm going to ask Kevin Ioli, who is certainly in the know. But it's a sad day for boxing fans. You, something that we thought would never come 
We would never have thought of the day that HBO would no longer uh, be showing boxing, but that's the case. That's the world keeps moving, and uh, we're going to keep moving forward too here at Compubox and at Inside Boxing Live. There's a lot of things going on in boxing. You know, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury press conferences are heating up. A lot of the zone shows coming down the pipe. Terrence Crawford is in business. I mean, by the time you know it, it's going to be the end of the year, and we're going to be talking Fighter of the Year candidates and all that great stuff. But we have a big-time show for you coming up. Larry Merchant, Kevin Ioli, a lot of HBO talk, and it's coming up next. All right, before we get to our next guest, I have to tell you about Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle is located on 35th Street and 7th Avenue, right in the heart of New York City. We're right in the middle of uh, football season, college football the Major League Baseball playoffs is coming up, so uh, a lot of good action in the sports world. Head over to Jack Doyle's, tell him the Inside Boxing Live crew sent you. And with that, we have to bring in a guest here. I am thrilled to talk to him. He is the International Boxing Hall of Fame broadcaster. You heard him for years and years on HBO uh, Boxing. He, of course, is the one and only Larry Merchant, and he's gracious enough to take some time out of a, a vacation in New York City uh, to talk to me here on Inside Boxing Live. Larry, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you. Anytime. Now, Larry, um, you know, the demise of HBO, something that, you know, has been reported f for, for years now. There were rumors out there. We all kind of saw the writing on the wall uh, when there were less fights, you know, uh, less big fights. But, you know, just to see that writing, you know, to see that New York Times report uh, on Thursday when the news broke, what was your initial reactions when you got the news? Well, I had a bit of a delayed reaction because I, I saw the, the same writing on the wall that you did, and that most everyone else did as their schedule continued to decline, um, and then it, it it sort of was a a, a punch in the gut. Um, I lived with them through their start as uh, a promising kid through their championship years and uh, so it was a little hurtful but it's the arc of life and uh, you start out uh, with energy and pouring your heart and soul into it and in, in, in this case that meant hundreds of millions of dollars from the corporation every year for marketing and for, and for acquiring events and it helped to build the brand of HBO in the early years. Uh, as time went on and changes came and competition arose and um, top uh, um, uh, executives at HBO didn't have the same passion for the game uh, nor the connection to the past. Um, that's where the inevitability set in and... Uh, then they had the uh, Warner and 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 AT and T merged, and uh, they have their own game plan, and uh, they're going to make the good fight without uh, price fighting. Now, Larry, I mean, there's just so many memories, and and you know, I for one have a lot just being you know ringside as a, as a as a kid, you know, with my dad, and just taking me to the fights, and and you know, so I have my perspective of it, and uh, I mean, everyone is pouring over their, their thoughts on, on Twitter and, and in articles. And, and But what I wanted to figure out is, you know, some of your best memories. I know it's a very hard hard uh, question to answer, but, you know, your fondest memories of, of HBO Boxing, if you want to take us to a particular fight or, or just any old stories you can uh, bring to us. 
eighties had uh, those uh, big, almost magical events uh, around Sugar Ray Leonard, the, the best fighter of his time, and Tommy Hearns, uh, who was an exciting uh, second best, and then uh, Marvin Hagler, the middleweight champion, and uh, they fought each other, and every fight uh, is remembered by the fans as a as a kind of a almost a, a Broadway play, uh, and uh, and then the, the 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 great heavyweight era. Uh, with Foreman returning and Mike Tyson and um, Lennox Lewis coming from abroad and uh, um, others. Uh, Evander Holyfield, one of the best fighters of his time. Um, And they all fought each other ultimately and uh, made uh, gigantic events. And then a new era with uh, Oscar De La Hoya and uh, the great Mexican fighters as uh, the titanic plates of boxing shifted toward Mexican and Mexican-Americans. Um, Roy Jones and his sensational uh, style and his prime. Um, Bernard Hopkins uh, and many others. Uh, and then into the, 20, into the 21st century with Manny Pacquiao an extraordinary fighter, and the great featherweights of their time. So there have been a number of eras within uh, the network's lifetime, and uh, it was a joy for me to fight, to 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 uh, attend and cover the fights with Jim Lampley, Emmanuel Stewart, George Foreman, Ray Leonard, And it was just a, a magical time. You're right. You mean only you can sum it up perfectly. Go from every era to every era, right? Like like you just did. But I know they brought you in Philadelphia sports writer. Not a lot of people know, you know, especially you know my generation about how you got your start as a Philadelphia sports writer. You know, I know HBO wanted to bring like a journalistic element uh, to their broadcast. Did you have any doubts early on about going from print to TV? Because it seems like you know almost every broadcaster uh, does that now. Uh, well, early on, I had written a column for 20 years, uh, uh, 10 years in Philadelphia, where I was also the sports editor of the Philadelphia Daily News, and then 10 years with the New York Post. And there comes a time in the life of a columnist, that I believe, and I'm not the first one to believe this, where uh, um, you either move along to something else, uh, within the writing profession, um, or you you start to repeat yourself, <laughs> and uh, and you get a little burned out. Um, so the opportunities arose. I, I wrote a couple of books, and those opened opportunities. And uh, I did video and and TV work along the way, and. Um, I had no idea when I left the New York Post in the mid-60s uh, back um, 
but I was going to go on my own and uh, I moved out to California and um, things worked out the way they worked out. You know, suddenly the, the uh, revolution in television came along with HBO and ESPN and that provided some uh, opportunities and um, HBO decided it was going to be the edgier a competition for CBS, NBC, and ABC, and I was part of that uh, groundbreaking uh, moment. Now you you brought up you know working with Jim Lampley, working with George Foreman, you know what a trio that was for so many years, calling those big fights. You had everything. You had the pageantry that that Jim brought to the table. You had the big fight element. You know, especially with the heavyweights that George could break down. And then we had you, Larry, who was never never afraid to pull any punches. You know, you would tell, you call spade a spade. You know, just talk about that that, that trio, that booth, working alongside Jim Lampley, working alongside George Foreman for all those well, years. Jim, <laughs> well, Jim is, is really a, an excellent host and bow-by-bow uh, uh, television veteran uh, who has always poured his enthusiasm into it and a kind of photographic memory of everything that ever happened. Um, and you know, George and Emmanuel Stewart were my main sidekicks and, uh, you know, they brought, uh, um, uh, you know, a certain, um, profundity and knowledge of the game, uh, to, to the broadcast. And my role as uh, a commentator uh, came from my journalism background and where I saw fit to try to show that this was also entertainment as well as uh, a competition and to uh, approach it as as a journalist would. Uh, And if I had nothing to say, just say nothing. And if I had something to say, say it. And um, I was very fortunate that the uh, the men who ran the, the the department were willing to put up with uh, some of the backlash that would occur if we signed a fighter to a Uh, like Roy Jones, like Mike Tyson, like many others, uh, from their point of view, um, they were part of our family. Hmm. And why why was I saying what I said about them when I said it about them, if I did say something about them? And and the executives would get calls from the promoters and and managers expressing dismay over something I might have said or asked as a question after the fight. And the executives, you know, for them, it made negotiations harder. But they stood by it. They believed in it. And uh, I was very uh, lucky because no matter how good you may or may not be, um, if if the source of your material is unhappy, then... um, you have to cope with it. And they, they were willing to stand up for me. And and I was often told, to just do what you're doing, Larry. It makes our job harder, but you can keep doing it. That's great. 
That's great because you know everyone has their reasons. You know, I don't, I don't know if you even bothered to check Twitter, but everyone has their reasons for the demise of HBO. You know, from obviously bad matchmaking or whatever you want to say it was. But you know, there's a lot of of talk about you know how the broadcast and the fact that you bring up that you will you you were not afraid to to rip into a fighter or criticize a fighter that was part of the HBO family. But it almost got to the point where the HBO broadcast, they were accused of being too homerish, being too much on the side of the A-side. Is that something you noticed over the years? And do you think that kind of helped lead to a little bit of, of the decay of the broadcast? I, I don't know. You know, there, there are various forces. Some of it had to do with um, uh, the fact that America hasn't produced a serious heavyweight for a quarter of a century. We don't know yet if Deontay Wilder, um, who will challenge, eventually challenge uh, uh, the, the Brit yep. Joshua, mm -hmm. but the title is the real thing. But we had one for, for most of the 20th century, um, the, the heavyweight champion was an American. And it meant something. And even if you didn't care about sports or boxing, uh, the heavyweight uh, champion had a stature that uh, commanded uh, your interest. And um, so that was symbolic of a certain decline. Um, all the heavyweights started to become linebackers and power forwards. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and uh, so we, we just... Uh, lost that part of the game and if you notice even now there are a number of excellent American fighters uh, but uh, uh, a few of them are middleweights most of them are, are welterweights uh, which I point out because uh, I don't think football and basketball are looking for uh, welterweights and middleweights they're looking for heavyweights yeah. so you know part of it is a, a cultural change and shift Part of it is uh, the communications revolution. I mean, here is HBO going out of boxing at the same time as Showtime has raised its game. ESPN has raised its game significantly with also a platform, uh, uh, another a secondary platform. Mm -hmm. um, Fox has poured in $60 million recently. Uh, a British promoter uh, is going to have a platform, uh, a digital platform that uh, where he's collected a, a, over a billion dollars for I don't know a few years of uh, of uh, shows. Right. So um, and the the game has become more international as it's lessened its uh, some appeal in the U.S. We see uh, the fighters from the former Soviet Union. Um, we see uh, uh, everybody is welcome from wherever you came. And uh, Manny Pacquiao, uh, uh, suddenly, uh, when Manny Pacquiao came, suddenly a new fan base of Filipinos yeah. materialized. So um, the world has changed, the country has changed, and that the game has changed, and HBO has decided that uh, it's going to change. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams that HBO would get out of boxing? I really never thought about it. I saw the 
you know, subtle decline setting in and sudden, subtle lack of interest. Yeah. I didn't know where it would lead. Um, uh, Bob Aram taking uh, top rank to ESPN was a, a, a significant event. And uh, Heyman and his fighters uh, being rejected by HBO and uh, uh, going elsewhere uh, sort of signaled the, 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 the lowering of interest. And uh, um, the decisions were not made in the sports department. They were made in the executive suites. Now, Larry, uh, I know that there's a generation of fight fans who know you strictly as the man who said that he wanted to kick Floyd Mayweather's ass. <laughs> I mean, what a moment that was. I mean, it doesn't define you by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a moment of, of your career. How often are you reminded of that, and uh, how do you feel? Do you, do you still think you can take Floyd? Because apparently he wants to come back. <laughs> well, um, I get reminded about once a day <laughs> and it, it's fascinating to me as a phenomenon that um, I sort of knew it as I left the ring be, thinking to myself, this will be no lower than the second paragraph of my obituary. <laughs> um, but um, of course, to me, it doesn't define things. I covered World Series and Super Bowls and Olympics long before HBO. Um, on HBO, I wrote some series. Um, but I, understandably, I'm best known in boxing, and that moment was uh, so uh, spontaneously unusual that it it did remark me and, 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 and did uh, make me look back and, and think, well, where did that come from? Because I, it, it was just a a uh, counterpunch uh, to a, 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 a fighter who, w who was uh, punching at me in a personal way. Um, and uh, it will uh, it will live in infamy. You're absolutely right. It will live in infamy. I'm looking at, at YouTube before you called in, and you had Larry Merchant's best moments. That was one of them. And another one was when you, you shoved that, that guy who, who just tried to steal the spotlight. I know I've done post-fight interviews. You never give up the microphone, and you never let someone get in, in the way of your shot. That guy who, who ran in, you know, he was robbed, he was robbed. Yeah. And then you decided to shove him that out of the way. Yeah, that was in Boston. But, but to me, um, maybe my best moment was after... Uh, Buster Douglas pulled off the upset of the centuries mm -hmm. and he was uh, so emotionally overwrought. His mother having died a few weeks before, uh, having had some problems with his dad along the way. His dad had been a real professional fighter out of Columbus, Ohio many years before and had a gym and, and Buster had never really shown a sufficient uh, passion for it. Um, and as I interviewed him, he couldn't pull himself together. And we had about 20 seconds or longer of dead time on the air, but it wasn't dead. It was the most alive time ever. And, and people just looking at a guy who just uh, done the unimaginable and was, was 
so emotional that he couldn't speak, but he he wanted to speak, um, and he finally did. And uh, for me, uh, having by that time just having the experience to say to myself, "Whoa, <laughs> this is show and tell. Just let it play. This can say more." than any words he has to say. For me, that was um, a a time that I I felt, okay, now I am a real television professional. Um, uh, Just by saying nothing and listening to nothing. Yeah, oftentimes those are the the best moments for broadcasters, when they lay out and they let the TV or the moment uh, take a hold of it. But uh, you, you brought up Mike Tyson. Do you think Mike Tyson, you look at all the eras of HBO boxing and, and you kind of went through them so elegantly. Do you think the Mike Tyson era was the best era of, of HBO or do you think it, when it moved on to, to Oscar and Floyd, in your opinion, was the best era of HBO boxing? I, I don't know. I don't know how to measure it. It was an important era because Ty, Tyson was such a, a wild and dynamic uh, personality and fighter. Um, and and uh, and heavyweight champion for a couple of years uh, that it electrified people and uh, and uh, sold a lot of subscriptions to HBO. Um, so that was uh, a great era. But when you look back, you know, yes, uh, but uh, so was Delahoy and Shane Mosley and. And uh, and others that um, um, we understandably forget in looking back because uh, we were a heavyweight network uh, covering uh, a lot of of uh, great heavyweights and um, that period of time, late eighties and early nineties. was uh, I'm sure great for business and uh, for galvanizing uh, fans out there uh, to make HBO uh, um, destination television. Yeah, I mean that's what it was for me. I'm 31 years old, so you know my my era was was a Toro Gotti, Delahoya, Floyd Mayweather, you know. Shane Mosley, so you're absolutely right. Everyone has their own era of HBO boxing that they identify with, and that's the main thing that I've taken away uh, since the news broke out is everyone giving their personal re- reflections of HBO. You know, my, I watched with my dad, and you know, I started watching in the heavyweights in the 70s and then up through the 80s with Mike Tyson, and then you go, you go forward there. But a lot of other, other speculation is if HBO decides that October 27th in New York City will be their final show, you know, people want to see Larry Merchant on the telecast. There is some uh, rumbling, some rumors. I don't know if you even know about this, Larry, but they want to see you on, on HBO. Have you heard from HBO? And so let's say HBO did reach out to you and they wanted to get the old band back together. You, George, and, and Jim, would you would you do it? Uh, well, uh, nobody's asked me. And um, I don't have to be there. Uh I said my farewell when I said my farewell, and that's that's up to them. Uh, I'm sure they'll put together some sort of montage of of uh, fights over the decades, and um, whether I'm there or not, I will be a part of it. 
You're right. I hope you are there, just because I think you belong there. But Larry, I really appreciate it. I honestly, it's kind of surreal having this conversation about HBO, and I'm sure you felt, uh, you feel the same way. Uh, I don't know if you even remember me being ringside as a little kid, but I always enjoyed going to the fights, and you know, it was a big thrill for me to get to talk to you and Jim and, and George and Roy, and just being ringside was a real thrill for me. And being able to talk to you today. Uh, about boxing has been has been great so i really appreciate it larry i really hope to see you october 27th well thanks for your memory sports fans what's up football season is here that means it is time to get in on the action with mybookie.net mybookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real vegas odds on football baseball and all your favorite sporting events you can take the A side, the total. You can even bet on the over/under, how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code Inside Boxing when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie.net has in-game live action on every major league event, even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie.net than today. Go to mybookie.net to open an account and start winning now. Use promo code INSIDEBOXING when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Get in on the action. Don't miss out. Visit mybookie.net website today. Once again, use promo code INSIDEBOXING to get a 100% sign-up bonus. It's mybookie.net, promo code INSIDEBOXING for that 100% bonus. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply. For entertainment purposes only, void where prohibited. Okay, before we get to Kevin Ioli, I have to tell you about Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar located on 35th Street and 7th Avenue, right in the heart of Manhattan. It's Jack Doyle's. Now is the time to go into Jack Doyle's. It's football season, college football, MLB playoffs. Go watch the Yankee Wild Card game. On uh, Wednesday, got NHL hockey right around the corner. I know Kevin loves his, his uh, Vegas hockey team. Uh, so, Jack Doyle, let's go check him out and uh, tell him the Inside Boxing Live crew sent you. And with that, we'll bring in Kevin Ioli, Yahoo Sports. Kevin, thank you for coming on. How's everything going in Vegas? I am doing great. I can't wait to get back to Jack Doyle's when I'm there for UFC uh, 230. That's right. I know the last fight, I think it was the Lomachenko fight. Uh, I know a lot of the, the writers, they were going to go over to Jack Doyle's afterwards, right? Absolutely, that's the place. That is the place to be if you're any type of sports fan. So uh, head over there. I appreciate the plug, Kevin. But uh, to get you on here, we want to talk about a little reflection of, of HBO Sports. You had a great uh, piece over on Yahoo.com uh, talking uh, with uh, Ross Greenberg, who, uh, for those of you who don't know Ross Greenberg, I know a lot of boxing fans, they do know. They're very uh, in-the-know boxing fans. But he was a former HBO president. Before that, he was a longtime producer. Uh, at HBO, and uh, he was just a major influential uh, piece of boxing, especially on the broadcast side, major innovator. You know, talk a little bit about that conversation that you have with Ross. Yeah, you know, I called him uh, to talk to him. You know, I did a couple of different articles because I thought the fact that HBO announced they're pulling out of boxing was really a monumental story in the in the world of boxing. I mean, uh, HBO had been the uh, most powerful entity in, in boxing for a long, long time. Uh, and, and they, as you said, they had made uh, so many innovations. And Ross was a key to that because he became the president in 2000. Before that, he was the executive producer. 
And so he was really responsible in a lot of ways um, for what you saw in the air, both in the, the fights in the ring and, and what the broadcast was like. And I, so I called him to kind of go over what his memories were and what was good and what was bad uh, about HBO. And, you know, he, he had so many interesting stories, but I, I thought the most interesting one was when he told me Jimmy Jacobs sent him a VHS yeah. uh, cassette tape and said, Hey, Look at this guy I have uh, who's 13 and 0. You might want to see him and uh, put him on the air. And that led to Mike Tyson uh, becoming a staple on HBO. Yeah, that was a really cool tidbit. You know, driving up, it must have been such a, an unreal moment for, for Ross Greenberg driving up to, Tro- to Troy, New York to see a young heavyweight who was just knocking people out. I think that's when he knew it. Another good nugget there was that he, you know, hastily put together a three fight uh, contract for Tyson because they knew that they had something crazy on their hands. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people have always loved heavyweights. And even before Mike was the champion, I mean, he was one of these guys that people just were in awe of because of the aura he created. I mean, he, you know, he went to the ring. At that time, he was going no socks, no robe, you know, the black trunks and black shoes. And he was just uh, destroying people. And his first fight on HBO was the one where he fought Jesse Ferguson. And he infamously said, I like to uh, knock the uh, nose bone up into the brain. And, yeah. that, and that got a lot quite a lot of attention yeah do you agree with us it's going off track for a second do you agree with uh, tyson's latest uh, statement about the, the state of boxing how there's not enough personalities that's why maybe the boxing's in a decline well i, I think it's not that there's not enough personalities it's that i don't think that a lot of the guys are promoted well enough i think that's clearly the biggest issue you know i i, I don't think boxing is in a decline yeah. i think there's this m- many many good fighters you know obviously we have great tv coverage now you know probably better tv coverage than there's ever been um but i think what happens is you know with social media and with everything that's out there there's so much pressure on these guys that they back away and you know um you know, Deontay Wilder, a great example of that. I mean, you know, he is a great personality, uh, a fun guy. A lot of people like him, but he's not very well known by the American public, even though he's the champion, because he hasn't been promoted the way he should. And I, I think that that's uh, an example of the problem in boxing today. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because, you know, people are trying to pinpoint why HBO decided to, to get out of boxing. And, you know, people will try to tell you why boxing is dead or why boxing's done. They do it to me all the time when I when the people ask me, what do I do? And I tell them, oh, I work in boxing. And then they just proceed to tell me everything that's right. wrong with boxing and everything that's, that's uh, how it can be fixed. And it's not like the 80s anymore. So once people hear about that HBO backs out, you know, the, the common thing for, for the casual fan to say is like, oh, well, you know, that's just boxing because boxing's dead. But, and, you know, if you take a look, the, the hardcore fan or any fan that's in the know can see that, you know, boxing right now is flourishing like never before. Yeah, if you look at it, you know, Showtime has been leading the way for a long time. I mean, what they've been doing with their fights, and they're still putting on great fights on a weekly basis. Now, in December, Fox is going to come on board where they're going to show shows on uh, the network uh, monthly. Uh, You're going to have shows on Fox Sports 1. But in addition to that, and I think this is what's really big, they're going to have pre-fight shows. They're going to have studio shows. They're going to have post-fight shows. They're going to do specials on the fighters. And so I think Fox is 
what kind of the coverage that they give to the UFC now, their deal is ending with the UFC, that's going to go to boxing. And I think that that is so important because, you, you know, you have a lot more investment in a fight when you feel one way or the other about one of the fighters, when you know the fighters and you care about the fighters. You know, you might like this guy and not like that guy, so now you have a rooting interest as opposed to turning on the TV and to, seeing two guys fight you don't know who they are. I think that's going to be so big for it. But you have ESPN. You know, you and I have been around a long time, and ESPN televised boxing for many years, but it was always the low-level fights. Right. It wasn't now with the top-ranked deal. You know, they're putting some of the best fighters in the world on. Uh, DAZN is spending a lot of money on the, on the streaming site. ESPN has a streaming site. There's a ton of boxing for people to watch now, and I think in a lot of ways it's a golden age of boxing on television. You bring up a good point about how you know the fans need to be invested in the fighters, and that's something that HBO did so well, the storytelling aspect of it. And it's something I had Eddie Hearn on this show, and that's something they do very well overseas in England, is getting the fans invested in it. And I can see, Fox, I'm, I'm at a great point that you just brought up about how Fox is going to take all their resources, like they did with the UFC, turn into boxing. That's very good thing for, for the sport of boxing. But I saw somewhere on Twitter, and it's been a minefield trying to get through all the takes on, on what caused HBO's demise and what does this mean for the, the business going forward but someone said that this will have a negative impact on Showtime and I really can't figure out how or why you, do you have a, any input on how this affects another premium uh, cable subscriber uh, that is Showtime? Uh, no, I don't think it affects Showtime negatively at all. I, I have a story coming out. I talked to Steven Espinoza, uh, the president of Showtime Sports, uh, about uh, their commitment to boxing. And, you know, they have data that shows exactly the opposite of what HBO said. You know, Peter Nelson uh, made the comment uh, that their research showed their subscribers weren't interested in boxing and it wasn't pushing the needle for them. And Showtime's data shows exactly the opposite. Um, and, and that. So, you know, it's a little bit weird, you know, I guess. It, but I think Showtime is going to still be doing what they do. Um, you know, Fox is going to be interesting because they have a deal with um, premier boxing champions as does Showtime. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to be sharing, you know, the fighters that uh, premier boxing champions have. So that to see how that works out is going to be the one interesting thing because, you know, up to now, Showtime has largely had the pick of the litter when it comes to the PBC fights. And, you know, now some of those you have to think are going to want to Fox. So, but I think, you know, Showtime's commitment to boxing is very strong. And given that, I don't think you'll see it waver. Yeah, I've heard maybe that, you know, Showtime will dedicate their airtime to specific weight classes. You know, maybe Showtime will own the 154 and 147 and Fox will have the heavyweights. You're hearing a lot of different things. I'm sure you asked Steven Espinosa uh, in your story that's going to come out soon on Yahoo about Canelo Alvarez. Because right now he is like the A-Rod of boxing. This is 2001 A-Rod right now. This is the, the free agent. He can go anywhere. Uh, but if you had to estimate, you know, where Canelo ends up, do you think it's somewhere like Showtime? Or do you think maybe ESPN and Top Rank make a, make a big run at him? Well, I think uh, both of those are going to make a run at him, and I think the zone is going to make a big run at him as well. I think, you know, wh whichever entity does it is going to have to have the opponent's form, and which to me would seem right now would be either Fox or Showtime because with the deal with the PPC, there's a lot of guys that would be good opponents. More of them are contracted with Showtime and, and Fox and being the PBC connection than they are with uh, ESPN. But that I think that's going to be the big issue. But Gennady Golovkin's in the same same kind of boat. So I think it's going to, you know, 
it might behoove Canelo and Gennady to sign short-term deals, one-term deals, go on a fight-by-fight basis, because make yourself as flexible as possible. If there's a big fight that pops up, be able to take it as opposed to saying, I'm going to sign a long-term deal with ESPN, say, and then all the fighters you want to fight are on Showtime and Fox or vice versa. I think that's something that, you know, the fighter management has to think of. They always have gone for that long-term before, but that those long-term deals sometimes led to fights that weren't as exciting as maybe we wanted to see. But how hard is it, though, for, for networks to to give out a, a one-fight deal? And they want more than just one fight. They, they want, you know, a, a long-term investment so they can tell their, you know, investors, they can tell their executives, like, hey, listen, we have Canelo for, for three fights. Do you think that will be tough to do? Maybe, like, a, an ESPN takes Canelo for one fight? You know, the PBC has not had long-term contracts with their fighters, right? I mean, they don't sign them to networks. So, you know, if you take Errol Spence, who's one of the best fighters in the world, he's not contracted anybody, but there's no problem with him getting on Showtime. So I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think if it's an issue, it's going to be on the Golden Boy side, on the Canelo management side, not on the side of the network. But I think, you know, you ha- the um, Golden Boy has to say, and, and Canelo's management has to look at this and say, hey, I believe in myself. We have a good product here. We have a guy that people want to see, and let's just cherry pick. And so the the next fight that makes sense for us is fighter X. He's with X Network. Let's sign one fight for that network to fight him. Now, if we have you know a good deal and they and they promote me well, and there's another good opponent logically down the road, hey, we'll go back. But I think that they, if you take it on a fight by fight basis, you you have the maximum flexibility, and you enable yourself to make the most money and the best fights. I know, that, I know that Golden Boy was one of the the few promoters that were still, you know, giving HBO fights, you know, in the last year, last two years, I, I, w- I would say. But you know, they've kind of pivoted away from from HBO and, and they kind of set up shop with Facebook. Now, do you think that is a, a long term play? You know, everything that the all the issues that Facebook is going through, you know, with the data breaches and you know just the general. Uh, what the right word is. Not a lot of people are interested in going on onto Facebook, especially boxing fans as well. But where does this this HBO leaving boxing leave Golden Boy? Yeah, I think Golden Boy is going to be in a similar position to a number of promoters, and I think they're going to have to, you know, work with a bunch of different networks. I mean, I hope the Facebook thing works. You know, I know Oscar De La Hoya is high on it, uh, but can they monetize it? Can they get it on there and get the kind of numbers that they can monetize it and pay these big fees? Because, look, these, you know, these fighters are not cheap. And, you know, I think what may have happened in boxing maybe in the 80s and 90s is some of the fighters got overpaid. And uh, so they had such high salaries that there was this gap between the very top and the lower end. And there was this massive gap. And so sometimes it's going to be hard now to say, well, let's get it in a more reasonable term. And, and, And the top guys come down and the bottom guys come up. But the top guys aren't going to want to do that. So is Canelo going to want to go on there and fight for six million or seven million? No, he's probably not going to want to do that because he's used to making forty and fifty million, and that that is a big problem. And so can can Facebook? You know, I think they have more money than God, but do they want to spend it on something like boxing? That would be the question. Well, now, yeah, you got to figure the, the streaming and everything that's going on with that between DAZN, ESPN Plus. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on that 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 uh, DAZN rollout? For Anthony Joshua Povetkin fight, I thought the production level was good. The the, the broadcast team w- was solid. What were your thoughts on an initial uh, DAZN fight? Well, you know, 
I was not crazy about about what they did. I mean, you know, I thought that the, my stream at home went well. I had a problem with the Bellator stream uh, from DAZN. I, I tweeted on uh, the night of the Bellator fight. I have I had gigabit inter, internet, uh, so you know, really really fast, probably faster than ninety nine point nine percent of the people out there. And I was having buffering issues. That was a problem coming from DAZN. I thought the the problem that they did. They're trying to reinvent the wheel, and they didn't have to. They had too many people involved in the broadcast um you know uh, my colleague chris mannix is a capable host but he had Kay adams with him you had sugar ray leonard and sergio mora as expert analyst brian kenny you know to to me is more of a host than a than a play-by-play guy and then and those other two guys uh, ak and barack and you know there were so many people involved in that broadcast and then it was like weird you got the interview with sky on there and then you got the interview with uh DeZone on um you know, I didn't think it was really polished, and I think they got to work on that. Um, I think they, you know, they're trying to hit a different audience, and I get that, and I think that that's smart. But I think, uh, you know, boxing, you know, boxing production has been pretty good for a long time. They don't need to totally reinvent it. I think they just need to tweak it a bit. Yeah, you're right. There, there were some growing pains that they're gonna have to go through. The, I mean, this is, it's a totally capable broadcast uh, team, but you're right. They're gonna have to figure out, hit their stride. Uh, and, and just put on good fights. That's the main thing. We saw that with the PBC when they when they first came out with all the bells and whistles and uh, the Hans Zimmer music. But you know, as long as the fights have to be good, the fans will come. Unfortunately, we have uh, this BJ Saunders drug fiasco on our hands here. He took some type of uh, stimulant. I don't know the name of it. You know, uh, we became very familiar with clenbuterol about a couple of months ago. Everyone was a clenbuterol expert. Now the latest with BJ Saunders. Do you think that fight goes on? Because that would be a huge hit for DAZN. I do think it's going to go on, um, but it, it, you know, it remains to be seen. I mean, uh, Frank Warren is insisting that this came from a uh, a cough medicine. So now I, there have been there have been athletes who have had uh, cough medicine and they have not been able to compete, and so they've been uh, banned from competition because of that. So I mean, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that it fights, but I I do think that. Uh, you know, it's more likely than not that he will fight. But, you know, I'd say these drug testing issues are really big. And I think that, you know, something has to be done, you know, to educate the fighters because there's so many ways that you can get contamination. You know, a big problem out there is supplement contamination. You know, guys take supplements that they think are okay and they, you know, they were made in a lab where something that's illegal is also made and the equipment doesn't get clean and the testing is now so sophisticated they get caught. So I think that that's a big issue. And, and this is something to watch in the future is, you know, because boxing doesn't have a, a solid, consistent policy throughout with uh, with their drug testing. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to give a guy like BJ Saunders the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he was pretty vocal when Canelo failed his drug test. He's a guy that likes yep. to talk. So uh, he's going to have a tough time winning some fans over. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that fight does go on because it is an intriguing uh, matchup. Uh, in the middleweight division. Before we let you go, I know we opened up the, the interview talking about HBO. We had Larry Merchant on uh, b- before you came on. I asked him, you know, what in your mind is the most, uh, the well-known moment in HBO history? Was it, you know, early on days with the heavyweights or was it Mike Tyson or was it Oscar De La Hoya? So I'll ask you, Kevin, what's your, your, your remembrance of HBO? I think when you think of HBO, they had so many great fights on over the years, but the one that, you know, people talk about to this day, 40 years later, is the Thrill in Manila. Um, that, I think, is the fight that really made HBO a player. It's one of the 
three great fights of all time between two of the most iconic fighters of all time, the most iconic fighter in Muhammad Ali, one of the most iconic fighters in Smoke and Joe Frazier, uh, a tremendous fight, uh, you know, a, a great setting for the fight. I mean, so many variables in that. Uh, and to me, that has to be the one. When you look at it and you say, you think back to HBO, what fight defines them? It's going to be the thrill in Manila. I mean, yeah, that's how they, you know, that's how they took off. And then from there, it was just so many great memories. Everyone has their favorite era uh, of HBO boxing. Uh, do you think that they move forward uh, after the, October 27th? I know they said they wanted to end the year like they technically have until uh, the 2019 to, to put on some fights. Do you think October 27th is the final one or can we see a Canelo pay-per-view? There's a lot of different swirling information out there about what's, what will be the last HBO telecast. Well, for, I'm almost positive that you will see uh, uh, Bivol fight on HBO after that. I think I don't remember the date, but he's got a date in November, and uh, I and I know I'm fairly confident that w- we will see Bivol. And I think there might be one other fight that they they go in December as well. So I don't think uh, Jacobs and Derevchenko are going to get the uh, honor of being the last HBO fight or the infamy of being the last HBO fight. Uh, but I do think there's going to be one or two more. But it, it, it's a sad end. I mean, there's no there's no doubt given uh given the way this has gone yeah it's absolutely it's absolutely sad and i know in your in your article uh that you have with ross he talked about uh you know how he brought CompuBox to hbo i mean yes i am the son of bob canelia who created CompuBox, and he's told me the stories over and over about how he went into ross's office and he pitched him CompuBox, and then you know ross was a gambler he, he took a risk with a lot of different things so it was a great story i enjoyed reading it and you always bring some great information to the show Looking forward to talk to you soon. Maybe I'll see you at Jack Doyle's and I'll, I'll buy you around. I love it. All right, that's a wrap on another edition of Inside Boxing Live. If you've downloaded the podcast, don't forget to rate and review. It's very important for us. And as we say goodbye, we leave you with this very familiar theme. <laughs>